0: Every book that you read, every story we tell, is going to have those character arcs in it, and I think that's pointing back to this thing that's written within all of us. Like right. We're we're looking for
1: that story to be exactly. retold over and over and over. Welcome to Elevate Retake. My name is Michael, and I'm the teaching pastor for Elevate, a community fellowship of Keene Church. On Elevate Retake, you can expect to hear thought-provoking, biblically-based messages that I and some of my friends present. We want you to experience faith as the continual everyday process of learning more about the Bible, ourselves, and about God. And I believe this podcast will be just what you need to come to a closer relationship with God. We've got a fantastic new season planned for you. It's called, You Gotta Try This. And I'd like to introduce you to someone. Her name is Danae, and she'll be your host for this season. and we'll guide you through each topic. Danae?
2: Thanks, Michael. Today's episode is entitled, Try the Story. And the engaged question is, what is your story? This is coming out of the key passage, Matthew 13, 34. Jesus spoke all of these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So we're talking about the experience, the cohesiveness of the Bible as far as stories go. It's an invitation to an experiential and experimental relationship with God, not for somebody else, but for you. Today, Michael's gonna be talking to Jonathan Coker. He's part of the Elevate Lead Team and teacher at Chisholm Trail Academy. So let's join Jonathan and Michael for today's conversation.
1: Sabbath, welcome on stage. We're super glad and excited that you're here with us this morning. Uh, I've got my friend Jonathan Coker, part of our lead team here. Uh, We're going to be discussing something this morning. We're taking a little bit of a step back from the regular uh, just message and song and engaging in a conversation. And one of the big reasons that we're doing this comes from our mission. Jonathan, can you read this for us? Yeah.
0: It says, We are inviting our community to develop authentic relationships to grow through genuine engagement and worship passionately with all our hearts.
1: And so we're seeking right now to model what the genuine engagement and authentic relationships look like. The Shockies and everybody else that was part of the praise team have helped us to worship passionately. And now we get to get engaged in a conversation. So we're talking about stories today. Uh, The topic header is what
0: is your story? Um, stories are really important, especially for anyone that has ever studied the human condition. So, if you've walked through my classroom, you've heard me talk about this obsessively. Uh, we read stories so that we can understand what it's like to live mm-hmm. in someone else's life. It, right. it, it allows us to empathically put ourselves uh, in the shoes of another person. Because I can't live with a different color skin. I can't live in a different gender. I can't. I, I can't switch out. I, uh, the only way that I'm ever going to be able to experience what it's like to grow up in India is to read a book from somebody that's actually wow. experienced it. And so yeah. these books that we read, these stories that we tell are our way of passing on that, uh, that experience.
1: Right. And that seems to flow through the entire bit of humanity because not only do we pick up stories in books, but we see them in movies and in radio shows and podcasts. And even how we communicate with one another uh, comes in the form of story. Uh, Mark Turner, uh, he's a, a uh, decently prolific author. He wrote uh, The Literary Mind, and he put it this way. Narrative imaging, or what we're using to define a story this morning, is the fundamental instrument of thought. Rational capacities depend upon it. It's our chief means of looking into the future, of predicting, of planning, and of explaining, and its literary capaci- capacity in- it is a literary capacity indispensable to human cognition generally. And that's our jumping off point this morning in in establishing the fact that we are humans who live out story and we communicate through story. And there was somebody else in scripture, a pretty prominent guy in scripture who used stories often, didn't he?
0: Are you trying to set this up to talk about Jesus or? Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. Yes. (laughs) Jesus did use stories quite often. In fact, um, uh, what most of us may not be aware of is that all of Jesus's sermons, except for maybe one, even even Sermon on the Mount, to probably fall into this category were stories. Mm. Uh, he understood that the best way to communicate complex information was through story. That that's how you remember it. In fact, as Dr. Sargent was up here talking about the the issues that we're all kind of facing right now, institutionally and individually, I'm thinking of the story of Ananiah, Azariah, and Mishael as they're mm. sitting as they're standing in that fiery furnace, and I'm mm-hmm. I'm wondering, wow, Lord, is this what it's, this feels like to be tested and to, right. to be in the midst of something? I, and then it's gratifying to have that story in the back of my mind because now I, I can remember, I can recall. I know that there's somebody long ago that's gone through this and come out the other side. And so my faith can be strengthened through mm-hmm. this story that can mm-hmm. just be plucked out of obscurity.
1: Right. And instead of trying to memorize a list of something, yeah. you actually can easily remember the narrative. And uh, Dr. Sargent read it a moment ago. It's Matthew chapter 13, verse 34, which is our jumping off point for our discussion this morning. All these things, Jesus spoke to the crowds in parables. He did not speak to them without a parable. And Jesus, the son of God, the savior of the world, came into humanity and chose story as his medium for communicating salvation. And so as this is starting to come out, we're seeing the principle of story. We're trying to read those Jonathan, why are stories so powerful?
0: Well, I, I don't know that I could answer that question, honestly. I could <laughs> try, but it is. it is There's there's something about the uh, the power, sort of like what I was saying before, that your ability to be able to convey your experience mm-hmm. um, is gratifying because you've then shared your point of view and made your understanding known to someone else. But it helps the rest of us to grow. Um, you know, they... Uh, you often will hear that the, the single greatest predictor for academic success is a person's ability to read. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also affects your ability to empathize. I'm mean, Actually, uh, a, a common friend of ours, uh, uh, Stephanie Golzinski, is yeah. setting uh, the effects of reading on our empathy. That's part really of right. her PhD study, yeah. So I read a book with my freshman most years called A Monster Calls, and it's all about this boy mm-hmm. who's dealing with this incredible burden of realizing that his mom has cancer and she's going to die and he has to accept this fact that she's going to die but that's not the climax of the story the climax of the story is when he realizes that not only is she going to die but he wants her to die because Mm. he's so tired and so exhausted of going from going through this and and having to to watch her suffer, and he's just, there's no more energy left in him, and he feels yeah. guilty for it. Yeah. He feels awful whenever he talks to his mom. And and it, it's a beautiful story. Uh, it, it's not it's fictitious, but yeah. anyone that's ever lost someone mm-hmm. slowly is going to identify with that. Right.
1: You're invited in to experience that, and if you had your freshman read a book that gave a whole bunch of statistics about cancer and uh, just wrote a a list out of this is how cancer affects this person and this is the percentage of people that are affected by this you wouldn't necessarily be enthralled by reading a list of statistics probably not um (laughs) sorry to any like mathematicians or statisticians out there that (laughs) get along that way but for me that doesn't bring me into the story
0: right uh i'm not as moved when i when you hear the statistic that what is it like five or 600 million children went to bed without anything to eat last night. That's yeah. a terrible statistic. Mm. Uh, but it doesn't mean as much until you uh, hear an anecdotal story of right. one particular person that's living through that because now
1: you're invited exactly. to walk through that. Exactly. And that reminds me of uh, another example, uh, kind of along the theme of cancer. was we were talking about this, I, I shared this with you uh, earlier this week. Uh, there was a group of people that were setting out to raise money for cancer research. And they started off by sharing those statistics. And they weren't getting anywhere. They weren't, all the stakeholders were in the room Mm -hmm. and nobody's writing checks. Nobody's feeling a part of it. Um, But they asked uh, this songwriter, uh, modern day (laughs) philosopher. uh, Some of you may may know her very profound music, Taylor Swift. Anybody familiar with Taylor Swift? She wrote a song called Soon You'll Get Better. And I want to read to you some of the lyrics of that song. Um, and Jonathan, you tell me if you're brought into this story and if you would be the one in the room writing the check to give to cancer research. Here it is. Okay. I remember your bare feet down the hallway. I remember your little laugh. Race cars on the kitchen floor. Plastic dinosaurs. I love you to the moon and back. I remember your blue eyes looking into mine like we had our own secret club. I remember you dancing before bedtime, then jumping on me, waking me up. I can still feel you hold my hand. Little man... From even that moment, I knew you fought it hard like an army guy. Remember, I leaned in and whispered to you, come on, baby, with me. We're going to fly away from here. You were my best for years. Mm.
0: Yeah, how does that not pull on your heartstrings to have to walk through someone else's life that has experienced that kind of loss? Absolutely. Um, it's, it, it's powerful. And we we actually... And I was just thinking about it, like we tell stories in everything that we do. Uh, If you're looking at a painting, someone's trying to tell a story. If you're Mm -hmm. watching a TV show, someone's trying to tell a story. If you're listening to a song, someone's trying to tell a story. It is it is the best way that we have for communicating information. Yeah. Like back in the day when we used to get together for lunch, uh, (laughs) those (laughs) pre-COVID days, Oh mercy! Uh, you know, we would get together um, and we would tell each other stories about what's going on in our lives. We wouldn't right. sit down and be like, okay, this morning I woke up at this time. And then I went to, you know, I got in my car and then I like this list of information. You're like, uh, stop. Yeah. No. But when you sit down and you tell somebody, I,
1: I, I was blown away by what somebody told me today. Let me tell you about what happened. Like, yeah. Oh. And there's a lot of times in Scripture where we're invited to the story as well. It comes for me. It comes to my mind. Second Samuel chapter twelve, mm-hmm. uh, where David has committed adultery with Bathsheba, and he thinks he's done it secretly. Um, he's had Uriah killed, <laughs> and he's just like, "This is going to be okay. He's dead. I can take her in as my wife. Everything's mm-hmm. going to be okay." And Nathan the prophet comes and gives him an exhortation from the Lord and lists out all his sins. Right? Yeah. No. He well. tells him a story. Right? He tells him the story. <laughs> of the, 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 there was the rich ruler in the town, the poor peasant, and the rich ruler was throwing this feast. And he said, ah, I've got to have a sheep for this. And the little poor peasant had the, a beautiful sheep. And he took that sheep from the poor peasant and um, used it for the feast. And Nathan then asked David the question, what should happen to that rich ruler? And in Nathan asking David that question, David actually condemned himself. Because he said he needed to repay back um, many, many times what he took from the poor peasant. And Nathan, the prophet, coming to David and calling out what he'd done through story form allowed David to realize the actions that he had taken.
0: Yeah, it's harder on the the emotional side of your mind. Mm -hmm. It's, um, it's, there's actually a, what's it called? There's like a there's like a, a term for this like when when we were when we were in seminary mm-hmm. well i was there a little bit before you because we're not going to count years it's right? fine <laughs> to, oh my word you guys really do all need to come back to church here because when you're not i'm the oldest person in the room and i can't take it anymore <laughs> oh my word anyways uh back in the olden days when i was at seminary not that like long ago, ago. <laughs> um uh, one of our professors, uh, one of my professors up there, Dr. Stefanovich, was talking yeah. about uh, how Paul would always he became really skillful. like we we really downplayed just how smart Paul was, yeah. how yeah. careful he was, deliberate and detailed. I mean, this was an intelligent man. Mm-hmm. And whenever he wrote his letters, he wrote them uh, with this uh, with this idea always of something that he's trying to get. yeah, uh, th- there's some sort of change he's looking for or a thing that he wants. Uh, as a result of writing this letter. Yeah. And so it's it's this model of indicative versus imperative, right? He yeah. lays out the case for something before he tells the people what it is that he wants them to do. Yeah. And always, that's how he writes his letters. He always lays out this uh, this this case, this intellectual and emotional case before he ever gets mm-hmm. to the simple command. And mm-hmm. if he had switched that order, if he had just simply started telling people what to do in a list, right, it would have never been nearly as effective. And right. You know, I I, I think about. The, uh, okay, hopefully my mom won't be watching this, but like this just makes me think of this. Like she's so good at this. Oh my yeah. goodness! Uh, back in the pre-COVID days, <laughs> I would I would regularly get phone calls from. I still get regularly phone calls from my mom, but it would come with this sort of like story at the at the beginning of like, well, your nephew Luke is doing so well, and blah blah blah, and she tells this whole story of all these things yeah. that I'm missing, and you know, and he was asking when is his uncle Jay going to come to visit? And you know, like, ah, <laughs> she <got> okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. She's, she's an expert at like figuring out how to, to yes. use that model. You yeah. don't
1: go straight for
0: the thing that you're looking for. Right. You walk through the emotion first. It's far more effective.
1: Right. And we asked a question a moment ago or made a statement rather, and you guys at home could agree or disagree with it. And yes, no. And that was the Bible is one cohesive story from Genesis to revelation. Mm. and, Often, we look at scripture, this this book that we have, and we see, okay, yeah, Exodus 20 has got a list of rules for me. Matthew chapter 5 has got some things I need to keep. Uh, Revelation, I might need to read that to prepare for the end times and make sure I'm good to go. And we see the Bible right, right. as this kind of maybe doctrinal encyclopedia or a list of moral requirements. And I, I think that
0: might be like a part of the human condition too, is that mm. we are constantly looking for like, what's the simplistic, just tell me what it is that I need to do. Just just tell me, just <laughs> Just lay it out, just the A yeah. to B, and like the Talmud and the Mishnah, like there's yeah. this constant, it, yeah. even within Adventism, it's like, have, am I? is there anyone else that was ever was like, no swimming on the Sabbath? Like there was this list of rules that you yeah. could and could not do yeah. on the Sabbath. We create rules within rules to make right. sure that we feel protected and safe, I guess. I don't know. Right. But, Sorry, I interrupted you. No,
1: that takes us exactly where we need to go because we've somehow got this kind of backwards in how we study the Bible and how the story of the Bible applies to our lives. Mm -hmm. So the question that I have, and you guys can think about this at home, how does the power of story change our reading of scripture? How does it, when we understand that story is is our ethos, it's what brings us together, it's how we relate to one another, how we can relate to God, how does story change our reading of scripture? And does it change up those lists in any way, shape, or form? Okay. So I think
0: I love that you brought in Exodus because that immediately makes me think of, you know, the, you got your list. You got mm-hmm. your Ten Commandments, which mm-hmm. some of us tend to look at the Ten Commandments as if it was like this new thing. Like, yeah. like all of a sudden they get to like the mountain and God's like, oh, you know, it'd be a good idea. I totally forgot to tell you guys, but like, don't kill each other, okay? And and maybe don't lie. And like, no, these yeah. laws were always a part of the fabric of existing as a right. human being. Right. It's just, we had moved so far away from God that right. it was no longer innate, right? It wasn't written on our hearts. And so yeah. God was like, let me explain what love looks like. It kind of has these characteristics. Mm-hmm. And so he gives kind of a list, but he's so careful to not give a lot of lists. If you think about it, yeah. like the 10 commandments, it's a very terse document. <laughs> yes. In terms yes. of like this is how you're, you're t- how to live your best life, right? right? Right, right, right. The
1: rest of it is all story. Yeah. And so, because uh, even the Ten Commandments itself are listed within a story, because we'll right. jump to the first part and say, "You shall have no other gods before me. You shall uh, not make for yourself any idol." But we skip verse one and two of Exodus twenty, mm-hmm. where it says, "Then the Lord spoke all these words," which a lot of uh, some scholars argue that it should be the ten words and not the Ten Commandments. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Mm. And the construction in Hebrew there implies a therefore. So I'm the Lord, your God. I'm the one that's brought you out of this terrible mess. I've led you. I've saved you. Therefore, you're not going to have the need of any other God. You're Mm -hmm. not going to need to worship any other idols. Remember the Sabbath because I'm the Lord, your God. I want to provide these for you. And when you're living inside of my story, you're not going to need to kill one another or lust after uh, your neighbor's wife or steal from anybody. You're not going to need to do that because I'm your God. And these words are embedded within the story.
0: Right. There's so many uh, examples of that in Hebrew scripture where the the, the deeper meaning, uh, the, maybe the point of the text is never explicitly said. English scholars love to give lots of uh, superfluous detail and like mm-hmm. to tell you exactly what the point is right mm-hmm. like have you ever read Moby Dick does anybody really need to know how to turn a whale into oil no nobody <laughs> needs to know that have you ever read Tom Dickens man if that man could take 10 words and turn it into 100 he'd be on it look at to split <laughs> we love to put lots of information in there that's yeah. unimportant but Hebrew scholars very 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 terse yes if they could say it in in uh in in less words they would do it always yeah. and so it was always there's this onus on the the reader to to use their mind and to figure it out, to right. um, uh, put themselves in the story and to start applying. And if you don't, then you get to that place where right. it's a list, it's a list, it's a list. And that's why when Jesus shows up, I don't yes. know if I'm skipping ahead. No, here, take it there. That's take why when there. Jesus shows up and he starts talking about how. You know, uh, maybe I'm going to do this thing on the Sabbath, and everybody's—you know—all the mm-hmm. Pharisees start lighting their hair on fire. Like, how can you do that? You're breaking the law. Like, uh, that's a Mark chapter three. Mark right? chapter three. Yeah. Oh, here, I'll just read it. So, yeah. it says, "Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there." Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. Yeah, the Pharisees are always in the background somewhere trying to trap him. <laughs> so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. And this the subtext to this is that they, they already know that he wants to.
1: Yeah.
0: I, I mean, that, like, the, pur- right. the purpose of the law was never meant to hurt someone or to keep right. them in pain. Yeah. Like, you
1: know. But somehow they'd stepped beyond... Like, the, the letter of the law right. instead of the spirit.
0: And so the, the intent of the law got killed. Like, God's right. law was never meant to be used to hurt someone. Mm-hmm. It was meant to show us our best life. Right. So yep. Jesus comes up, and of course, you know the rest of the story. He goes and he heals the man. Yeah. Right? And then yeah. they're all like, oh, how can you, you know, you, you did what you weren't supposed to do, and you blah, 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 and oh, we caught you. No. Mm-hmm. I don't. So so we're left with this this idea if we're, uh, especially English scholars, like, uh man what do we do Just, did jesus break the sabbath or i don't think for a moment that was jesus was going around breaking the Sabbath. he did it again here's another uh, there was another case where they were picking uh food like, mm-hmm. a grain or whatever you know his disciples were yes sick. his disciples sorry because uh, they were hungry <laughs> or or whatever the the case was uh yeah. matthew 12 or something if you want to look it up yeah we'll talk about it later there you go um and uh I don't for a moment think that they were stepping outside of God's law, though it looked like it if you were to take it as just a list of rules. Hmm. But if you leave it in a context, if you put it in a context of this is a story, this is a a document that is trying to show a big, grand, overarching theme, then it makes it far more difficult to take those texts and to do those things with it.
1: Right, because they have to fit within the pieces of everything that's going on. Yes, you can't just... Throughout scripture from Genesis to Revelation, the Old Testament is that promise made that Jesus, the Messiah, was supposed to come. God says, hey, I'm going to make this right. We start off Genesis 1 and 2 with uh, perfection, with love is, is on the move. It's here on this earth. And then Adam and Eve step back out of that love mm. and create this trajectory or what you will teach your students about a narr- a character arc? Is that what you... Yes. So there's, a,
0: there's an author by the name of K.M. Will- Wieland or something. And she writes this interesting book about character arcs. And I, you know, I always like to teach out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, she comes up with this... Re- I should have brought the book with me so I could have quoted, but I left it in my classroom. <laughs>
1: paraphrase. Um,
0: yeah, paraphrase. She says that every character uh, in a story, every good story... Every character believes a lie. Hmm. There's something that they believe about their existence that's a lie. And so she uses examples of like uh, Jurassic Park, the the original one, back from the 90s, before any of you were born. Um,
1: (laughs) No um, shade, I guess. (laughs) uh,
0: The protagonist believes uh, wholeheartedly that children are like, just, you know, they're not necessary, blah, blah, blah. He goes through this whole transformation by the end of the. Uh, toy Story. Woody mm-hmm. thinks that it that he holds the lie he believes is that his life holds no value unless he is the favorite toy. And when he right. get when you get to the end of the story, he realizes mm-hmm. he has value outside of being the favorite. Mm-hmm. And so these character arcs, these overarching themes, are uh, incredibly important for us to be able to. Uh, uh to experience because we're watching it happen over and over again in the bible and we keep trying to replicate it in everything else that we do every movie that you go and watch every tv show that you see every book that you read every story we tell um is going to have those character arcs in it and i think Mm -hmm. that's pointing back to this thing that's written within all of us like right we're we're looking for that story to be retold over and over and over again
1: and that leads us to kind of where we kind of bring this home a little bit. And I want to bring in, somebody asked a question and somebody made a statement on Slido. And I appreciate these. The question is, how can uh, I as youth impact everyone I might come into touch with daily in a simple but profound way for God's glory? So that's that question. And then somebody made a statement. And I love this statement uh, because I think it breaks to the forefront what we're trying to get at mm-hmm. and what we're inviting people to try today. Mm. Not, a, not a question, just a short statement. Many of us don't feel our story is much worth telling, um, and can, or can possibly have, uh, or that it could possibly have a positive impact on anybody else. So it's not worth telling; it's not going to have a positive impact on somebody else. But the invitation from today is that when we hear Jesus calling us to follow Him, we're invited into the story of scripture and we're invited into a story where God exists Mm -hmm. and God is impacted by our own existence. Our story is intertwined with his and he hopes that we will be impacted by his existence that we will recognize him and so that we'll see that his story is intertwined with ours.
2: Mm.
1: So as we kind of wrap up our conversation today, I think the power of the Bible is and what I want to invite each of you watching at home, wherever camera you're on right now or if you're listening on the audio podcast later, is to see the Bible as a cohesive story. From Genesis to Revelation, God is working to bring about an ultimate good and redemption for the people of God. Hmm. And when we see our story in light of scripture, we can say, ah, I fit into here and I can see uh, this character, how how they rose and they were doing well, they were doing well, and then they fell. Mm -hmm. I see this character, they're doing well, they're doing well. Moses was doing so, so well, and then he killed a guy. He was doing so, so well, and then he got angry and hit a rock. Uh, David was doing so, so, so well. He got distracted by just Bathsheba. Person after person, man after woman after man after woman in the Bible, doing so, so well and falling. And I see myself in the story, and I want to invite each of you listening and watching to insert yourself into the grand narrative. Yes, scripture. when you when 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 you think
0: of the second coming, are you imagining yourself in that number? Wow. You are invited to participate in that story.
1: Yes, absolutely. So as our praise team leads us through um, our last couple songs today, what's your story? And how does scripture influence it? Where do you imagine yourself? What's your story?
2: Jesus used stories, and I think that's because people don't remember what you tell them, but they always remember how you made them feel. And a story is always going to connect a feeling with something. And now I work in radio full time, and I've gotten better at telling stories over the years. And if I want to convey a principle, I'll back up and I'll be like, okay, well, what story can relate to this? Because we remember stories, right? Right. that's how you remember things better. Pastor Michael shared a really good example of this when he talked about how the prophet Nathan came to King David and told him the story of a rich man that had plenty of sheep of his own. He had a guest, but instead of taking one of his own sheep to slaughter and serve to his guests, he took his neighbor poor man's sheep that was the only one he had and that like lived in the house with the family, sounds like a pet, and he slaughtered it for his guest. And that was to represent David, of course, taking Bathsheba for himself, when really it belonged to uh, one of his high and mighty men that were fighting for him in the war. And the story was what pulled David in and got him upset. And really, it was his own story, which is the other point that I'm getting to. Do you find your story in the Bible? So reading the Bible is all about connecting our story with those characters in the Bible and seeing how Jesus, or God, got them through. Seeing Jesus help a Bible character and then noticing as we read that story, how it relates to ours, helps us realize that Jesus is going to help us today in the same ways that he's been helping our ancestors all throughout our history. So the next time that you read a Bible story, I would encourage you to look for your story. And if you want to encourage somebody else or if somebody comes to mind as you're reading a Bible story or as you're listening to this podcast, share it with somebody.
0: Our executive producers are Michael Gibson and Jonathan Coker. Our team includes Evelyn Alanis, Candace McCormick, Samu Sialoga, Alethea Galvin, Emily Weaver, and Issa Manu. Special thanks to Danae Sanji
1: in 883 The Journey and Devin Grady and the Keen Church Media team.